that he's bigger. Amen. Somebody bigger than you and I. Man, if I could sing like that, I'd sing all the time. We're going to uh, give you an opportunity to uh, give one more time today. The young people are going to be going to Birmingham, Alabama to the Motion Conference at the end of this month. We'd like them to be able to eat while they're there. <laughs> so what we're going to do, we're going to take up an offering, give you an opportunity to give in that offering. This will help supply their food and uh, their transportation down. So as the ushers come, let's just pray that this will be a life-changing trip for all of them, okay? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to be a part of something, God, where over 10,000 youth gather to worship you. God, I pray that you take the synergy at that meeting and impart it to our youth. Embedded in their heart, God, that they're never ashamed, never afraid to be able to stand up and declare your goodness and your love. We thank you for it today. We ask your blessing over this offering that you'll multiply back to those that are giving today, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in Jesus' name. Amen. As they're taking that up, let me just mention to you on the Samson uh, trip that we're taking in September. If you want to write a check for that, you can do that today at the lobby. LaDonna, would you stand up just a second? LaDonna will be out there to help you sign up so she can help you sign up online and do it with a credit card or she can take your check and you can write a check for that today. All right, so we continue our series called All of Me. How many of you didn't have a clue where that came from? <laughs> How many of you know that song? Clap your hands if you knew it. <laughs> if you'd like a history lesson, talk to someone that's clapping their hands today. All of me. Why not take all of me? We've been focused on this. This is our series last week. It'll be this week and uh, next week. But let me get you to view your life where it's broken into four parts that your finances, your health, your relationship, and your spiritual relationship with God. And when you're in the center of that, things go wrong. But when you put God in the center of that, that's when he's able to bring everything together for us. <clears throat> So, today we're going to continue 
with all of me. And you know, what's amazing is that some folks don't mind going to church. They just don't want to have to take it with them when they leave Sunday. You know, I, I, I don't mind. I like to go to church. I enjoy the worship, you know, and the preaching's okay. But, you know, it, it's the idea that I'm supposed to take this with me when I go. And that just is really a little bit too much for me. <laughs> I've heard people talk about that, you know, you're going just too far. You're, you're, you're causing this, you know, th this God thing. You're taking this God thing just a little bit too far. Well, the truth is, is I'm looking at God to take me real far one day just to, to, to transform my life. But I want it to happen while I'm here. You know, the thief on the cross, I want you to think about that for the, the paradox of that, that Jesus being crucified between two men, one man is being dangled over hell and finds a doorway to heaven. And another man stands at the gate of heaven and winds up falling into hell. Why? Because of focus. That if we're going to live for God, I just want him to take all of me. Amen. Look, look at your neighbor and say that with me one more time. Just all of me. If you're going into get your car washed. How many of you been to that new car wash at uh, Carbondale? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's a trip, man. Have you, what's the name of that thing? Finish line. And I, I, I gave, I, I lectured one of the young men that were, was running it. I didn't really lecture him. I just rolled my window down because they, they had me get right in line. You know, they, they, they're putting you through there and they had me pull up right behind this car. And I kept thinking, I'm too close to this car. And honest to goodness, if I hadn't hit my brake, I would have run into the car in front of me because they, they put me in so fast, I was right on his tail. And I don't know if he hit his brake or what it was, but when you go through there, you can't see anything. And man, that's messing with me. And I keep thinking, I know that car's up there someplace. I know that car's up there. And about that time, I, I saw a, a, an opening and man, I was right on the bumper of that car and I hit my brake and let him get just a little bit in front of me. And then when I got to the end of it, you know, I, I got that right now. You can get a car wash for five bucks for a whole month. I got the $34.99 one for $5. I think I just had my ninth wash in the month. I was getting, I was figuring, man, I got about 50 cents tied up into each wash. And so I, I, I went through and, and at the end of, you know, so the, the deluxe, you get everything, man. They dumped the soap on you. They dumped the, 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 the hot wax on you. They dumped the, the rain X on your window. They, you know, you get the spot free rinse and then they blow dry you. And then they have the sham cloth, these big sham cloths that come out and they wipe your car down and one over the top. Well, they had me so close to that car. I didn't get my wipe down. And I didn't like that at all. You know, if I'm going to take my car into a wash, I want it to wash all of me. I don't want to get, I, I don't want to get part of it. I want all of it. You say, what's that got to do with us? Well, Peter told Jesus, he said, you're never going to wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. 
And Peter looked at him and said, all of me, just all of me. What's he saying? He said, not just my feet, Lord, but my hands and my head also, all of me. I don't want to spend my time on earth just dabbing around with a relationship with God. I want something that changes me, that transforms me, that reaches every aspect of my life. But you can't get that unless you're willing to submit all of you to all of him. So starting with 3 John 1 and 2, this is the theme of this series. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So in that one verse, we see that God is concerned about, he said, I would that you prosper our finances. I want you to be in health our body But he says, I want that to happen to you as your soul prospers. Our soul prospers in a relationship with God, and our relationship with God directly affects our relationship with other people. So it's all of me. God wants us to have it all. So today we're going to look at the health part of this. How many of you know that God is interested in both your physical and your spiritual healing? Amen. Look, he paid a price for it. You you need to understand that the Roman soldier that was plowing his back like a field with that whip that was intertwined with pieces of metal and lead that was ripping the flesh off his back and literally hanging like ribbons, he could have stopped it, but he doesn't. And the reason he doesn't is because he's purchasing something. The Bible said that by his stripes, we are healed. So he purchased that for us. But how many of you know that you could get healed and still go to hell? And so what God wants is not just a physical feeling or healing for us, but he wants a spiritual healing for us as well. In Psalms 107 in verse 20 The writer says, he sent his word and healed them. Everybody say physical. He sent his word and healed them. But here's the last last part of that scripture. And delivered them from their destructions. Everyone say spiritual. So he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. In that verse, you see both the physical and the spiritual healing that he brings. Now, how did he do it? With his word. Everybody say word. First John or St. John chapter one and verse one and verse 14, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it goes on to saying, we beheld its glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father. So it's referring to Christ as the word. Everybody say Jesus. So when Jesus came, he focused on both our physical and our spiritual healing. When you search the gospels, you find unique places throughout scripture that tie them both together. In Matthew 4 and 23, Jesus goes about Galilee and it says that he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he's healing all kinds of sickness and disease. In Matthew 9 and 35, it's the same thing. Jesus goes about all the cities 
and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. In Luke chapter 9, he spoke to them about the kingdom and he healed those that had need of healing. Someone say, all of me. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know that I could serve a God that wasn't concerned about all of me. I mean, just think of it in a natural realm, in a relationship that you can understand. Let's talk about husband and wife. If, if, if Debbie woke up in the morning and she said, man, my head's killing me. And I looked at her and said, you know, I don't care anything about your head hurting. Just get up and make me some breakfast. I wouldn't be here next Sunday. <laughs> I hope someone says something kind at my burial. <laughs> but that's not going to fly. And it doesn't make you feel loved, does it? I mean, if, if, if your spouse isn't concerned about you, then it makes you feel unloved and unwanted and unappreciated. But we serve a God that loved us so much that he'd rather die for us than live without us. The scripture says this, that God commended his love toward us and that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners before we ever said yes, before we ever agreed to serve. And the truth is, is when he died, he knew that there would be people that would curse him, that would turn away from him. But you know what? He said, I'm going to do it anyway because I'd rather have you than just to live without you. Think about your own children. How many of you have children that have always done everything you ask them to do? Boy, if my kids were here, they wouldn't be raising their hands either. <laughs> you know, the, here's the thing. is, Let me get you kids off the hook because you notice none of the parents raise their hands either. How many of you parents have always did everything your parents ask you to do. And keep in mind that lying is a sin. (laughs) But that doesn't stop you from loving them, right? And so God's concerned about every aspect of our life. He doesn't want, uh, he said, I would that you be in health. I want you to prosper and be in health even as you're, soul prospers, but you can't have one without the other. You you understand what I'm talking about? It's like you're missing something. It's like trying to eat pancakes with no syrup. All you get is a dry mouth and a wadded dough. He intended for us to enjoy our journey, but to be able to do that, there's a key ingredient that's necessary for all this to come together. And that key ingredient is faith. Say it with me, faith. The scripture said that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. When you look at what the way that faith plays into our walk with God, you understand the importance of it. In Mark, the sixth chapter, It says that Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. 
The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. Now watch this. And many who heard him were amazed. Everybody say amazed. They were amazed. And they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Now I want you to hear me. You either embrace him or you reject him. They're asking a question right now. But this question is getting ready to lead them to a choice. They're asking a question, where did he get this wisdom and the power to do these miracles? So they're testifying about something that they have seen with their own eyes, that they have heard with their own ears. This isn't like somebody came and told them something about Jesus. This is something that they are eyewitnesses of. There is no in-between, even in this place today. When you get ready to walk out of here, if you don't know God and you don't come to him today, you've made a decision. You say, no, I'm putting the decision off. No, you've already made it. Now, you might change your mind later, but you've made a decision today. There is no in-between. There's no getting up and walking out of here and not coming to God and saying, well, you know, I, I plan to do that later. You don't know if you got a later. You don't know. You don't have a promise of tomorrow. But one thing I do know, that today is the day that the Lord's made. I, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. The Scripture said that today is the day of salvation. Imagine you're on a cruise ship, you get knocked over, and you're plummeting in the water, and some guy is standing on deck with a life jacket or a life preserve, and he hollers down at you and says, do you want it today, or do you want me to wait and send it to you tomorrow? I mean, that's ludicrous, isn't it? We laugh that off. But what are we doing when we reject him, when we don't embrace the life preserved today? We're hoping we can stay up and float until tomorrow. We're hoping we can tread water until the next time. But I'm telling you that life is too short and it's too precious to gamble with. Grab hold of it today. And so... There is no in-between. They've they seen it. They've testified of it. Now listen to what they decide. The Scripture said, then they scoffed. After having heard his wisdom and seen the power of him to perform miracles, they scoffed, and this is what they said. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. His sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Now, let me bring this to where we live at because we live in a society that gets deeply offended when you start talking to them about God and about what's right and wrong. Do you know why people get offended? It's found in the book of Acts when you start reading about Paul. Paul is to the point, man, he's Saul at the time, but he's, he's having people thrown in prison. He's consenting to the death of Stephen. And he's on his way to Damascus to get letters so he can throw a bunch of other believers in jail. And he gets knocked off the animal he's riding, and he sees a bright light, and he hears a voice. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
And Saul looked up and he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus answered, he said, I'm Jesus. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. What's he saying? He's saying, Saul, all along in your heart, you've known I'm real. But you kept pushing it off and pushing it back. And the more you push it off and push it back, the meaner you get. And so in society today, when you talk to someone about the Lord and they get offended over it, it's because down deep in their heart, they know that God's real. It said the heavens declare his glory. The scripture says that we'll be without excuse because everything around us speaks to his existence. But that day is going to come when all of a sudden that he says thou, thou will be without excuse. That I, I am not going to be able to look up and say, God, I didn't know. What you'll be saying is, God, I chose not to believe. Wow. Do you ever have an argument with, well, not an argument, a discussion. Do you ever have a discussion with someone about a fact in history or something, and then after you prove the fact, they, well, I, I, I don't, I, you know, they don't know. They don't know. That was, how, how could they know? So they, they will not grip the facts even after it's presented. These folks saw with their own eyes heard with their own ears, but they reject him. They're offended and refuse to believe in him. Amen. Now watch what happens. Matthew 6 and 5, or Mark 6 and 5. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now here's, here's the powerful part to me in Mark 6 and 6. And it says, this is speaking about Jesus, and it says, and he was amazed at their unbelief. He's amazed at it. He's thinking, these people have heard me, they've seen the work of God, and they refuse to believe, and he is amazed. Any of you ever been amazed before? <laughs> He's amazed. There's, They saw what he'd done in other cities, but I want you to get this. When you choose not to believe, you hinder what could have been. Everybody say, what could have been. Any of you ever, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but let me just talk to you. Any of you ever buy stock or, you know, purchase stock? And do you ever get a feeling that you ought to do something? I had a feeling I ought to have done something last year, and I didn't act on the feeling, and it cost me, I'm not going to tell you how much it cost me because my wife's sitting here. <laughs> and then I got another feeling that I was supposed to do something, and I didn't act on that one either, and it cost me again. And I thought, man, it's, but, but pastor, the stock market's so unsure. Life is unsure. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but you can know who holds tomorrow. And he is sure. Paul said, I'm persuaded he's able to keep that, that I've committed to him against that day. He's a sure thing. But when we choose not to believe, it hinders what could have been. You remember the Roman officer? He's got a servant that's sick at home. 
And all of a sudden, they, they come to Jesus and they beg Jesus, oh, please go heal this guy's servant because this guy's really got a good heart. I mean, he built us a synagogue. A lot of people read that and they don't get that. A Roman officer built them a synagogue. That could have cost him his life because as Rome, in, in Rome, Caesar was supposed to be God. And here's a Roman officer, one that's high in authority because he's a centurion, so he's over at least 100 men. And he's built a synagogue for the Jews. And so they go to Jesus and they tell him, and Jesus says, well, let's go to his house. And they head off down to his house. And all of a sudden, I guess the officer looked out his window or something and saw him coming. And he grabs some of his friends and he sends them out there to Jesus. And his friends stop him. And he say, they said, Master, look, the, the, our, our, our friend sent us out, out here and told us to tell you, just speak the word. He said, because he's not worthy that you should come to his house. And he didn't even feel worthy to come out here and speak to you himself. But he told us to tell you that if you'll speak the word, he knows his servants will be healed. And guess what happened? Jesus got amazed again. And the scripture said that he was amazed and he said, I've not found so great a faith in Israel. Two things in the gospel that have amazed Jesus is faith and unbelief. And when faith amazed him, wonderful things happened. But when unbelief amazed him, it shut down what could have happened. I don't want to live in what could have been. Are, are you with me? I don't want to live in what could have been. You know, you, you, I've talked several times about quitting my job, going on the field full time back in 1991. I had a good job. I had a great job with benefits and everything going right. And every time I'd think about quitting it, I'd get this sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I'd hear something in my ear saying, you're out of your mind, man. You've got two kids. You've got a wife. You're going to quit your job. You're not going to have health benefits. You're not going to have, a, 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 you're not going to have the security of a paycheck every week. How can you do that? And yet it wouldn't let go of me. And finally I thought, God, I can't live with myself. If 10 years from now, I'm asking what would have done, what would have happened if I would have just believed God, if I would have just acted in faith. And so I made up my mind, I've got to do it. And if it doesn't work out, I'll live and rise above it. But I can't live with the idea that if I had acted and believed God, something might have happened. When you choose to respond in faith, it triggers something in heaven. It causes something to happen. And it happens on your behalf. He said, I've not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. This man wasn't a Jew. This man wasn't a son of Abraham. He was a Roman. He was considered a Gentile. Gentiles didn't even, the Jews didn't even believe the Gentiles could be saved. And yet here's Jesus being amazed at this man's faith. Let me share something with you today. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. The only thing that matters is that you choose to believe. Amen. Just choose to believe. You say, are you sure about that? Well, the scripture verifies it. 
There's a man in Scripture, his son's possessed. He has a deaf and dumb spirit on him. And this guy would go into seizures, man. He would, his dad said that he, that, that thing would get a hold of him and it would throw him into the fire and it would throw him into water trying to take his life. And, and the father said, I came to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. And so I'm asking you, if, everybody say if. He said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I love what Jesus does here. Jesus takes his if and puts it back in his face. He said, if you are able. In other words, the man is saying, I'm not sure about you. But Jesus takes the if, puts it in front of the man, and he said, if you believe, all things are possible to those that can believe. This isn't about, see, we want God to act outside of our faith. We want God to act apart from our faith. But God acts through our faith. He said, if you believe, all things are possible. And when he said that, that guy, man, something happened in his heart. Something took place in his soul. Amen. And he looks at Jesus and he cries out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And that's all Jesus wanted. Jesus didn't say you've got to stand up and say, I believe and there's no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure about it. I'm, there, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't care what anybody else says. I believe Jesus grabs hold of the purity of your heart uh, that speaks to him with transparency uh, and says, I believe, uh, but there's something in me. Uh, I've been through so much. Uh, I've seen so much. Uh, I need some help to get over it. Uh, and Jesus steps on the scene, uh, says, let me help you out a little bit here. And all of a sudden, the boy is made whole. Now, your biggest miracle comes right before or comes right after your biggest challenge. Because when the Lord spoke to that man or the Lord spoke to that boy, the Scripture said that the kid fell out, man, and, and everybody thought he was dead. I leave for your consideration he could have been. What are you talking about? It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It matters what you think. Amen. It doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. It matters what you're saying. That man could have looked and said, oh, he's dead. You've killed my boy. I don't know what I'm going to do. He didn't do that. He just trusted the one that told him, if I believe, all things are possible. Now, let me share something with you, because if you believe, and it doesn't happen the way you think it was supposed to happen, that doesn't rob you of your miracle. Why? Because you still believe. And if it doesn't happen the way you thought it was supposed to happen, then you understand Then God must have something better in mind. This isn't, this isn't a place where I abandon ship. This isn't a place where I jump overboard and say, well, I believed and you didn't do it. No, I believed it didn't happen the way I thought it would happen, but I trust you and I know that you've got something better in store. It's like that man during the space shuttle project, that teacher that had applied to go up in the space shuttle and he had churches praying everywhere for him and he didn't make the cut. 
So he stood there that day in Florida watching that thing go off. And as it went off, he, in his heart, he said, I felt like I had been, that God had let me down. And I, I, he said, I stood there and I looked at that going up and thinking, that ought to be me. And then about just a few seconds into the blast off, that thing became a ball of fire. And those people dissolved and went into the presence of the Lord immediately. And that man stood there recognizing that could have been me. All of me. Why not take all of me? I don't want to have to call the shots. I don't want to have to pilot my ship. I'm asking him to. Somebody say, all of me, Lord. We must believe our soul cannot prosper in unbelief. Everybody say it. I've got to believe. Because if I don't have faith, if I'm, if I'm not believing, my soul can't prosper in unbelief. And he said, I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You cannot prosper by doubting God. You, can, you may not understand God, but just because there have been a lot of times I haven't understood God, but that doesn't give me a license to doubt God. I've had questions for God, and when I get to heaven, I know he's going to answer those. But I trust him enough to know that he has me in mind, and he wants the best for me. Amen. Everybody say, oh, man, if I could sing like Louis Armstrong. We, there, but that's the physical and spiritual part of our healing. How many of you know we need our thinking healed? We, we, let, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever seen someone that did something really stupid? Wave your hand if you've ever seen somebody do something really stupid. And did you say or did you think, or did, did, when they did that, did you say, what were they thinking? You, you ever have somebody do something? Wave your hand if you've seen somebody do something really stupid. I mean, you don't have to point to them. This, I mean, it was just really stupid. I can't believe they did that. Okay, now, let's take one more step out. How many of you have ever done something really stupid? <laughs> and I got to tell you, I'm proud of y'all. There's more hands that went up on that one than there was on the other one. Now, how many of you, after you did something really stupid, went, what was I thinking? The truth is, is we need our thinking healed. And the scripture talks about this because, see, wrong thoughts can get in our mind. Have you ever been sitting in the middle of a church service and have a thought, and then all of a sudden, the devil goes, I can't believe you're thinking that in the middle of church. And you're supposed to be saved. Ha, you're not saved. Look, man, the devil will mess with your mind. But you don't have to let him build a storage unit in it. Don't, don't keep those thoughts. Get rid of them. Don't let him build a nest up there. Just get rid of them. Rebuke it. Our healing is connected to our ability 
to believe. Our healing for our body, our healing for our soul, and our healing for our mind. Now listen to what Proverbs 3 and 5 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Everybody say, don't get hung up with your thinking. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now, let me go on. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Have you ever seen somebody that was wise in their own eyes? (laughs) If you ask, I could tell you how to do that. But far be it from me to give my opinion without you asking for it. Wise in their own eyes. Well, you know, they did that wrong. They should have done it this way. You ever see somebody show up at a a site, you know, a construction site and walk up? I had a guy come up, show up on the job in Trinidad. We were trying to build a church. This guy walked up. He did this to me like two days in a row. He walked up and he stood there like this and he was just standing there looking, man, and we are sweating bullets trying to get this job done. It had been raining. We'd been fighting rain. We'd been, we were building in a swamp. And so it was just, you know, and, and this guy kept, you know, he just kept coming up and, and talking about, well, you know, you need to be doing that over there and you need to do this over here. And that second day he came up to me and he said, you guys ain't never going to get this done. I turned around and looked at him. I said, are you going to talk or help lay block? He picked up some block and started helping. Because it's always easy to just shoot your mouth off. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it like that. It's always easy to express your opinion. But sometimes the way we express our opinion comes out sounding like a Winchester double-barrel shotgun. (laughs) And so we need healing for that. Now, Now watch what it says. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now watch this. And it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. What's he saying? He's saying God will heal your mind. If you'll trust him, acknowledge him, ask him to show you what to do, he will heal your mind. I used to have a pastor friend, he said, look, if you get stinking thinking, you need a checkup from the neck up. Now, Solomon talks about his dad, David. And this is found in Proverbs, and Solomon is talking about the instruction that David gave him. And this is what David said to Solomon, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom and develop good judgment. Wisdom and good judgment bring health. How many of you pray You don't have to raise your hand on this. I just want to ask you, how many of you actively pray and ask God for wisdom? That's been a prayer that I've had for years. God, give me wisdom. Show me what I'm supposed to do. Show me how to do it. Because if we get wisdom and good judgment, how many of you want good judgment? You know, I, I haven't always exercised good judgment. Even since I've been here, I haven't always exercised that. We were in the chapel, or not the chapel, but in the uh, conference room, and, and I decided, you know, I, we needed to change out some switches, 
and I exercised poor judgment and decided I could do that myself. My judgment was based in sound principle. I'd gone to the back panel outside and saw where it said conference room and hit the breaker and shut it off. The bad judgment I exercised was to believe that that shut everything off. And so I'm in there with a screwdriver, and as I'm working with a screwdriver, and all of a sudden, and, and I didn't have a tester. I know you're supposed to have one. Bad judgment. And I, I got the screwdriver in there, and, and I, I'm turning, and all of a sudden, man, I get into a live wire. Cindy Gendron's here today. She was there, and Debbie was there in the room. And I got, God's truth, I got into this live wire, and I am like this. They think I'm messing with them. They think I'm playing. They think I'm acting, you know. And I'm going, man, I see my skeletal structure, you know, uh, in, in the back of my mind. I'm, and I thought, oh, God. And when it finally stopped and I'm like this, you know, I thought, Elizabeth, this is a big one. It was, I, I, I thought, man, this is it. I'm, I'm just, you know, and I made up my mind that I didn't use wisdom. <laughs> And I exercise poor judgment. Now look, if you're not willing to admit your mistakes, you're destined to repeat your mistakes. I'm just here to tell you, I've never stuck another screwdriver in a light switch since I've been here, and that's been going on six years now. I want, we need healing. I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap up, but we need healing in our relationships. Nobody wants to talk about relationships. Why? Because they get so messy. Jesus is speaking in Matthew 5 and verse 23, and this is what he says. He said, if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, now I want you to get the, the language of this. It doesn't say you've got something against your brother. It says you know your brother's got something against you. He says, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. What's he saying? He's saying you need to get that relationship healed because this is what some of us do. We know somebody's got something against us. And this is how we treat it. Oh, that's their problem. <laughs> it's, you know, well, if they got something against me. They just, you know, don't bother me none. That ain't no skin off my nose. Just, you know, but if you know that they got something, and the whole deal is this, is that what they may have against you may be a complete misunderstanding. And, and if you don't address it, it just gets worse and it grows bigger and it gets out of hand. And then all of a sudden, what was a little molehill becomes this huge mountain. And, and some people take years trying to overcome that and some never do. And it can all be a simple misunderstanding. He said, don't, don't come to me when you know that that's going on, you know, there, I've known folks that, you know, got into disputes with family. I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about, I, I, we traveled a long time. And, and, and people that got in disputes with family and would not talk 
to their own mother, wouldn't talk to their brothers, wouldn't talk to their sisters. And I'm thinking, man, life is too short for all that. And a lot of times it happens when somebody, you know, somebody passes and then all their stuff is up. It's just stuff, folks. And I'm going to tell you, there's some things that's a lot more important than stuff. Amen. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I don't want that stuff. When you let things build up, it takes you farther and farther from where you should be. I got two guys in the corner been waiting forever for me to get to this part. But there's a story about two men in Scripture. It's actually a family. Everybody say it's family. It's a father and a son. Remember that old show, My Three Sons? This guy's only got two of them. So he, and, and all of a sudden, one day something happens, and the kid just goes off on his dad. And it might have sounded something like this. Father, this, this is ridiculous. I, I'm a grown man now. Yes. I, why, why do I have to be in the fields? I, sh- I should be my own master. I, I should have my own herds. I should have my own servants. But what I have is yours. Exactly what you have. Yeah, I, I want to I go out and make something of myself. I, I want to, to, to party. To, to, I want my name to be in the ears of the whole nation. But why? People, people look at me because I am somebody. You know, just forget it. Just give me what's mine, and it's I'll be gone. It's not as easy as you think. Just give I, me. I don't understand. All right, this. I, I don't uh, understand. I, I, oh, I've had enough. Okay, I, I'm gone. I'm going to go out. The first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to buy me some sandals. Well, go, go. I didn't catch what he was buying. <laughs> oh, sandals. So you know the story. It's a story of the prodigal. He goes out. The, I, I mean, there's contention at home. He's, give me, my, give me my stuff. Give me what's coming to me because I, look, I'm tired of being here with you. I want to go do my own thing. I want to, I, I you know, and, and, and all of his intentions may have been well. As a matter of fact, James was talking about, I, I want to have my own herds. I want to, and that might have been what the young man said. But let me tell you the reality of what the young man did. Because often what we plan to do and what we say we're going to do doesn't end up happening. The young man went to another culture, got involved in a, 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 he goes to a different city. He's he, he submerges himself in a culture that he's never known. He starts participating in a lifestyle he was never taught. He begins to gather those around him that he never knew. And he thinks this is living. He's partying. He, he is the high roller. He is the one that everybody's looking to until his finances run out. Do you ever have a friend that always showed up around payday? (laughs) 
you ever have anybody that, that was your buddy as long as you were buying? They thought you were the greatest thing in blue jeans as long as you had green back. But when you didn't have green back, they told you to go out back because they didn't have time for you. This guy gets chewed up and spit out by a culture and a lifestyle he never knew. You know, some of the people that are the most, I don't know if you're aware of this, but gangs are some of the most inviting people in the world, especially if you're a loner, until they get you in. My wife has an uncle that belonged to the Hell's Angels. When he decided to get out, they put him out permanently. And he died by the hand of people that he thought were friends. This man's left alone. Where are all the friends that had gathered around him? Where are all the people that had bragged on him and had been there for him and with him? They had never been there for him. They'd been there for themselves. And now he's alone and he's eating, he's feeding pigs and what they're eating is better than what he's eating. And he says, I want to go home. I want you to listen to the young man's heart. I just want to go home. My, my father, he, he probably, he probably won't even look at me. I've been so terrible. I've hurt him so deeply. If I could just, I'll beg. I'll get down and I'll beg. If I could just be a servant. There's, there's my son. He's coming back. My son is coming. Son. Son. I'm, I'm so sorry, oh, Father. You're forgiving. It's okay. I'm so sorry. You're my I'm son. Sorry. You're my son. Kill the fatted calf. Bring this young man a ring. This is my son, and he is back. He is back. Give them a hand, would you? Come here just a second. Come here just a second. Let me tell you. Go down there. Let me, let me tell you what I think really happened that day. That boy thinks that his dad doesn't love him anymore. He says, my father's servants are eating better than I can. I know I'll never be able to be his son again, but maybe he'll let me be his servant. So he rehearses how he's going to approach him. As he's walking home, He's saying, that this is what I'll say. Father, I've sinned before you and before God. I, I'm, I'm just asking you to please let me be a servant. I know I, I can't be your son, but please just let me be your servant. I want to come home. But when his father spotted him, because his father had been looking for him, 
He didn't spot him by accident. He didn't just happen to be outside. His dad had been looking for him. And when his dad saw him, his dad broke out in a run and ran up and grabbed his boy. And when his boy is trying to give him all the excuses, his dad doesn't want to hear any of it. Kill the calf. Bring my robe. Bring me a ring. My boy's home and we're going to have a party. Do you understand that God doesn't care where you've been, what you've done, what you've messed up? He just wants you to come home. He just wants to heal the relationship that he's always longed to have with you. It's time to come home. Well, Dad, I'll come home if you do this. No, that boy... That boy was willing to come home under any condition. He just wanted to be home. Those kids that were trapped in that cave for how many days? 17, 18 days. Their parents rejoiced when they found out where they were, but they couldn't get to him. I want you to think about that for a second. Put yourself there. This, this happened just a week or so ago. Think about the fact that you, you can't find your kid. You don't know where he's at. And then when they find him, you find out that there's two miles of water between you and your son and you can't get to him. And so your only hope is that someone bigger than you and I. <laughs> your only hope is that someone that's got more stuff that knows what they're doing is willing to help reconnect you. Can I tell you that no matter where you're at in your family, no matter what argument, no matter what discussion, no matter what separated you, there's a God that can reunite you. There's a God that can bring you back together again. Now, there was someone that lost their life in the saving process. There was a professional tie diver that came in, went those two miles under, water got in with those kids, and on his way out, ran out of air, and he died. Our restoration process did not come without a cost. Someone died so we could be reunited, and that someone is Jesus. Amen. Why don't you just take a moment and raise your hands and thank him for it right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Relational healing. And the last one I want to talk to you about is emotional healing. Because everybody that ran away from home didn't run away because things were good at home. Some people are running from abuse. Some are running from fear. Some are running from depression. And they just spend their life running. But there's a God that knows right where 
we're at. No matter the time of day, the night, he knows where we are. I told you about my friend that I grew up with, and I remember the times that his dad was drunk and trying to chase him across the yard, and I watched him get a hold of him one time and just start hitting him with his fists, and, and he broke loose and he ran. And he wouldn't come home until he knew he was going to be safe. God never orchestrated that in his life. It wasn't a part of his plan. But because God makes us free moral agents, sometimes we do some stupid stuff. We all just confessed to it a minute ago. Well, I never did anything like that. No, but we've all got our own stupid to deal with. So I'm not pointing fingers. I'm raising hands saying, here I am, God. Rescue me. We need emotional healing because hurt people hurt people. We need to be healed. But you can't, God can't heal what you're not willing to reveal. Not to me, to Him. We don't need a confessional booth today. We got a hotline to heaven. The temple and the veil was torn down. There is, the mediator we have today is Jesus Christ. And when we go to Him, he can make it right. He can heal and restore us. He's able to change it for us if we'll let him. Are you sure that God wants that for me? I want to read to you a passage of Scripture out of Isaiah. And this is the passage that Jesus quotes when he's in the temple. And he laid it down and he said, today this Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. What's he saying? He's saying, I want to break the poverty you're in. I want to break that poverty thinking. I want to break that poverty mentality. I want to break the physical aspect of poverty that's tried to control your life. He sent, us, he sent him to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, those that felt like it's over. Things can never be good for me. I'll always live with this shadow over my life. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those that are bound, that whatever holds you, whatever's kept you where you're at, Whatever's kept you from being able to move forward, he wants to break that. He wants to change that for you. A friend of mine, the pastor's in Texas, he was telling me about this guy that he knew that somehow through, I, I, it, it was just, I don't want to call it a freak of nature, but it was through a, a, an act of nature that this guy, when he was born, his muscles developed like an ape. 
they were very dense and they were very coarse. And, and, and he told me, he said, this guy looked like an ordinary guy. He said, but I'd watch him pick up a horseshoe and take that horseshoe and twist that horseshoe in his bare hands, just twist it. He said, I've watched this guy take 16 penny nails and take his hand and drive those nails through two by fours and fence posts. He said, it's just amazing. He said, I can't tell you how much this guy's made on bets. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have put that part in there. but Just uh, not natural, not. But here's the truth, we can't save ourselves. We can't free ourselves. But I know someone, not through a freak of nature, but through an act of God, can break any chain that holds you, can rip open any prison that confines you, and is able to take down any enemy that threatens you. His name is Jesus. He wants to heal us. He wants to bring that to us. Now here's the other thing is he wants you to enjoy your journey. Everybody smile real big one time. Go like this. Come on, smile. Some of you didn't. If you're not smiling, you didn't brush your teeth or you left them at home. Smile real big. Smile real big. Look and, and smile. Here's the thing is we think we're you know, once we've been through all this, that all we can do is just barely get by. No, he wants you to enjoy your journey. In Isaiah 61 and 3, he says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they can be called trees of righteousness. You're not tossed around anymore. You're rooted and grounded, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Look what God has done. You need to know that no matter what you've been through, there's one who came to see you through to give you beauty for ashes. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He came to take your depression away, to free you from it. No matter what kind of healing you need, he can supply it. These are his words to us in Exodus 15 and 26. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Would you stand with me today? I'm gonna to ask the prayer partners to come up front very quickly, very quickly. Move to the front. Very quick, Carl, would you come and help us today? We've got several out stretch across the front. This is what I want you to understand. He wants all of you. He loves you that much. All of me. Not just a good part of you, but that part you don't want anybody else to know about. He wants to take it and turn it around. To give you joy for mourning. The question is, is will we let him do it? What's the key ingredient? Faith. Unbelief amazed him. Faith amazed him. Unbelief kept him from doing what he would have done. Faith caused him to act in a way that changed everything. If you're in here today and you've got a need, whether it's physical in your body, whether it's 
healing for the way you think. You may say, Pastor, I just get worked up in this funk and, and I'm, I, I, I get burdened down and I can't break this. He wants to heal that. Whatever it is, whatever it is, God's able to do it right now. Would you stretch your hands to heaven and love him with me right now? All of me, God. All of me. And worship as they sing this. carry things for years that pull us that drag us that are like a ball and chain around us and it can be gone that quick it can be gone in an instant when we say here I am Lord here I am Lord heal me say sing this one more time if you're in this place and you've got a need whether it's physical spiritual your thinking your emotions your relationship God wants to heal it would you come right now and say sing this one more time go ahead thank you father Let me share this with you before I let you go today. I love you guys. And for years of my life, all I did was, what, what I was supposed to do was go into a place and stir up the gift that was in the church. But now what God's trying to commission me to is to stir up the gift in you. As individuals I don't want you to just come to church I want you to be everything God called you to be I I believe in who God made you and I want to see you rise to the top and stand up and become that individual that God ordained for you so that all of a sudden I'm watching God at work in your life and see your life affecting the lives of those around you. How many of you ready for that to happen? Come on, let's give them a hand clap of praise. Just stretch your hands to heaven. That's what we're praying for right now. God, thank you, Lord, for this family of believers. Father, I pray that even now, God, that you reach in and stir up the gift that you've placed in them. Heal them in every way, God, so they can be all that you've called them to be. Make them the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Let them feel victory going out and coming in. Let them never be cast down. 
but let them rise to the occasion knowing that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise. God bless you today. Go in the strength and the power of the word in Jesus' name. Freedom is all.